wood, uh, wood concrete and glass. And we've got January 29th. It's a nice bright day here in BC, more mainland. A little bit of fog, a little bit of fog. Fog's okay though. Nice and crisp. It was great mornings. So yesterday we talked a little bit about the secondary sweep process. Um, back at it here with uh, with another one. I mean, the secondary sweep process is funny because you know some places just don't don't permit it at all, and some places are really lax on it. I mean, something in our building code, so we have to uh, we have to keep tabs on it. But. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that, that can be considered in your in your five point model when you're when you're looking at buying a place or buying a piece of property or redeveloping, right? So you want to make sure that you're uh, you know getting best use out of the property uh, for your needs uh, for resale. Even even if you set up uh, like if you're building a new development, like a new house, you want to set up spaces that could maybe be converted in the future. If you're if you're in more of a speculative play, where you're, um, you know, maybe you're gonna live in the house for five years and then sell and then upgrade and sell and up and that's sort of your business model. You want to make sure that you're gonna maximize on that business model, um, so you can create spaces that can be used by uh, by the occupant currently. Uh, and then in the future, it adds a little a little bump in price because you've got a fully legalized suite that just needs to be sort of uh, identified to the city. I mean, some cities will take an extra um, an extra little portion of of utilities and that sort of thing. But you can oftentimes go down to city hall and decommission it, meaning that uh, or put it on as a, an exempt status of some sort, where you actually say. Yes, the suite is there, but we are formally declaring that we're not actually renting it out. It's just, it's there for future use. So, yeah, one of those things. But, uh, yeah, enough about suites. They're sort of boring. Um, brother-in-law's been looking at putting in a in an accessory building in the back, and this is something that I'm sort of fascinated with these days because I think it would be such an ideal space. Like, if you've got a really small house... I think he's somewhere around 1,400 square feet or so. And, you know, you're sort of outgrowing your house a little bit. Instead of putting an addition onto the house itself, there's some, there's some great work that can be done with uh, accessory studios and, and that sort of thing, especially if what, what you need is actually, like, uh, workspace or office space. You can, uh, you can do wonders by adding... Uh, you know, an extra 200 square foot room off the back. Throw in a sink in there. Some some municipalities are sort of sticky with what sort of plumbing fixtures you can put um, into those accessory structures because they're trying to hinder people from actually living in them. Um, you might have to have certain uh, certain legal paperwork put on the put on the property. Um, but usually, if you keep it under 200 or 215, is our is our trigger in my municipality but that sort of keeps you it still requires a permit but it keeps you under the the requirements for uh for getting into the legal issues around accommodation in the in the area so that's good to sort of a good benchmark to 
to keep in mind as you um, as you look at the idea. But make sure it sort of fits in with with the current aesthetic of your house. Right? You know, sort of make a not. I mean, you could go either one of two ways. I think I might have talked about this already in the past, but you can go one of two ways. You can either go match, sort of match it, matchy matchy, like the exact styling of the existing house and then it's just sort of like a smaller version of the, the existing house or if you've got sort of a, a funky house already you can sort of go sort of an iconoclastic um, collision of two different um, two different styles so you could have something that's really outside of the box and that'll, that'll sometimes sort of instead of you know it's sort of like when you're when you're dressing like if you get too matchy it looks a little silly but if you sort of have like pops and sort of things that are different, they'll, they'll stand out a little bit more. And then like just sort of make sure you use landscaping as a way to tie it together. So throw a couple little um, concrete pads or slate um, as a little pathway to get out to, to the accessory building so you're not... I mean, if you're actually using it as a studio or an office space, you definitely want to be able to go back and forth. <clears throat> I'm not talking... I'm sort of talking studio here. I'm not really talking about um, just like a garage, like a like a tool shed. I mean, that can be whatever you want, right? As long as it holds the lawnmower. But yeah, and then consider um, windows and lighting into the space. Um, so you could put skylights on the roof. Uh, those are a great way to get natural light in uh, to a building. You could almost get away with skylights and then just a couple fixtures like plug-in fixtures with lamps um, so that you don't have to actually run um, lighting in the, in the space because you know if you're working in there at night you can oftentimes get away with some some lamp light uh, and then during the day you'll get the nice bright light even even on a cloudy day you'll get enough light into a space like that but then you know you could also have nice windows facing into the yard don't don't put windows facing um, towards fence lines and that sort of thing because oftentimes the glazing requirements will be such that uh, you won't be able to do it so keep all glazing and and I mean you can put a door yeah you, you don't really want to put a door on the outside either I would say keep it all facing into your yard that's that's where you want to be looking anyway unless you've Unless you've got some really unique view and you're miles away from the property line, or you know, like a solid few meters away from the property line. But if, if you're looking at a standard residential application, you probably don't have that much room. So you're gonna be at your minimums for, for setback from, uh, from the property lines, which is usually around um, a meter, meter and a half type distance. So you don't wanna put any glazing that close to a property line. Um, because it'll probably get turned around by the city. They won't, they won't accept that because the code, the code in your area, I mean, always consult the code in your area, but glazing that close to a property line isn't a good idea. Um, so yeah, so consider windows, consider your natural light, um, consider the floor finishes, consider wall treatments. I mean, a lot of this stuff, um, because it's not um, considered living space, like it's not considered a house 
you're not going to be it's not going to be as stringent um, inspection wise but if you want it to be a comfortable space you know think about these things because you'll go above and beyond the code in this case but that's okay because you know above and beyond is uh, is a good place to be so consider how you're going to heat the space i mean i would probably just make sure i have an insulated slab so that i'm not getting um so i'm keeping the heat in the in the building and then uh baseboard heater um maybe put maybe put a, a hardwood in uh could do like a polished concrete as well i like that look with maybe some throw throw rugs um if you're going with a desk throw the desk uh into a into a part where maybe you have a window over over the desk so you have something to sort of draw your attention away from your work every once in a while and you can look out on things um but yeah get it all wired up make sure you get a, a wi-fi booster out there from your house um get a tv obviously <laughs> a tv that you can throw an apple apple tv and sort of screen project up onto the screen to get like sort of a, a wide angle of of stuff you're working on um yeah, it'd be a great little, great little spot. Uh, especially like my brother-in-law does; he works from home. Um, it'll be a great, great spot instead of having to go all the way up to a Starbucks or something to to get your work done. He's got a couple kids at home, and you know they're all over the place. And if he's home, you know they're trying to engage with him. So you're, you're trying to trying to just step outside and you know even tell them, yeah, I'm going, I'm going off to work. And then you walk out into your backyard. Um, there always will be challenges with, with you know, the kids all of a sudden taking an interest in your little space out there and wanting to jump around and, and hang out. But that's a that's that's <laughs> the topic of a different podcast, right? Um, it's one of those uh, trickier um, situations. To, uh, to keep the kids out of a new little space that's been created. Right? As you can imagine, once there's a new little house in the backyard, all the curiosities of a, of a kid are escalated. So you want to sort of work through that uh, early stages. That'll allow, probably allow them to be involved with the process a little bit, show them what's going to happen, show them what you're going to do. But uh, try, to keep, try to keep the construction, I think, as simple as possible. If you have issues around trees in that area, just try to avoid them altogether instead of, you know, putting in foundation walls and that sort of stuff and digging too deep. Try to keep it slab on grade. Um, build up from, from a slab on grade position and usually you can get away with still building in tree areas, but you're not... You might, need, you might still need an arborist report to, to speak to how your construction is going to uh, mitigate damage to trees. But I think that's better off than than uh, completely changing your location of where you want your shed, um, or your shed or your your outbuilding. Then uh, it's better to do an arborist report to just get some assurance and, and give the city some assurance instead of moving your location and not having an ideal build. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, so you got yeah you got your you got your points of light. You got set up a space. You got set up of where the building is on the lot. Obviously, sometimes people want to, said, showcase views or 
or nature in some other way. It's cool. Um, it all is a it's a case by case scenario, and uh, yeah, just but 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 again, areas to uh, to consider as you uh, go down that rabbit hole of, of what you want to do, um, and then you know you've got your ideas around flat roof and pitched roof and overhang of eaves, right? Something to keep in mind as you look at uh, as you look at setback proximity and that sort of thing is that the eaves oftentimes have their own have their own uh, projection maximum projection so you keep that in your design um, you're not going to be required to put perimeter drain around this sort of thing but you might want to um, depending on your construction and how deep you can go so there's all sorts of little things to consider all of which uh, should be fun and taken with uh, with some interest, so that's it for today. Have a good one.